Hello, welcome to Kinozoid, our podcast about what we love most, Kino, which is film, if you don't know. And why you may ask the name Kinozoid? Well, we gotta have something catchy. My other name was gonna be Kino Dweebs, and that's kind of a dweebish name. So, I figure let's combine Kino, which is a German for movie theater, but also kind of has a quality online these days about... Um, kind of meme-ish about elitism and cinema and kind of high-class cinema and Zoid, which the definition for it is some sex organ for a plant, but it sounds super like weird and kitschy and kind of schlocky, kind of like a robot or some 80s thing. So let's combine the two together and create Kinozoid. Uh, my goals for this podcast are to discuss film, but also I want this to kind of feel like you're sit, sitting around and listening to you know me and my friends talk about film. Feel like you're kind of in on the conversation. You might learn about some new stuff you want to see. You might learn some cool shit. So without further ado, uh, I am David Frouchy. I am the uh, host and kind of the creator of this whole mess. And I am here with my good friend, who we both used to work at movie theater for years, Peter. How are you doing today, Peter? Doing pretty good. I didn't know that Zoid was a plant sexual organ. Neither did I till after I came up with the name. So hopefully that does not get us into trouble. So tell us a little bit, bit about yourself, uh, Peter. Well, like I said, you said I used to be at the movie theater a few. I used to be the projectionist for over five years when we were doing strictly 35 millimeter before we went over to digital. So would you say you're one of the last people on this planet to know this dying art of projecting film? It's becoming more of a niche thing, I think. There's some still some theaters that will do the 35 prints. It looks like there's some 70 millimeter prints going on for Oppenheimer. Did you enjoy projecting or no, not really? Was it more of a nuisance than it was kind of cool? I loved it until it broke. That seems, yeah. So how many wraps, brain wraps, um... The platters spinning up, so the entire film fell off the platter and onto the floor. Were there any particular incidents or stories that stuck out to you while working with film at the movie theater? Mm, I cut my wrist on moving a moving a print on Christmas Eve. That was fun. What movie was it? I want to say it was one of the Spider Men. Okay, maybe three, maybe. So it was out for blood. Well, yeah, I had to go get stitches, and that was a fun night. Um, other than that, doing the Prince building? Not really. It was pretty uneventful until something happened. Did you have any choice in what trailers to put in or on, or is it just kind of like, this is the type of trailers we're playing for this movie, or could you get a little creative with it? When we got the movie, originally, you know, when the movie is going to, being its opening week and uh you had it came with a list of trailers that the studio wanted on the show before the movie so most of the time you know we had a all like a rack full of trailers ready to go so it was just you know finding the right trailer the right format and um building it all together at, at once and then once that movie came out um, yeah, you, know, you had to take the trailer out because you're not playing the trailer for a movie that's already playing. So then I had pretty much carte blanche to show whatever I wanted. And I did make a mistake once. What did you, I put on? Did you put like a horror movie in like a PG kid movie, kids movie or something? No, it was Kung Fu Panda Two, I believe. And I needed to find. I always put a shorter trailer than the trailer that was originally there. So if it's two and a half minute trailer, I'd try to find a two minute trailer. Because it'd be easier for the film to pull back in, right, uh, into the center. So, I found semi-pro teaser. Uh oh, the Will Ferrell basketball movie. Yes, I did not know what the teaser was. I just knew it was a Will Ferrell in basketball. And how bad could it be? It was, it was quite a few balls in that movie. I'm assuming it's Will Ferrell naked with a ball in front of his crotch, laying down on the floor. So yes, were there at least three right then and there? Well, Nobody complained, but right. they ripped that thing out right before the next showing, though. Well, that's that's kind of funny. Um, well, 
thank you and we appreciate uh your service as you will uh being the the champion of celluloid at the theater we used to work at yeah so it was always fun when donna theater eight at one end of the hall or one end of the building because the building was in kind of like a w or yeah w and i'd be down at number eight down on the end and number 16 would be alarming and of course that always happens one two minutes before the start time on number eight and <laughs> you've got to get to the alarming thing first was that would it be an issue with the projection is why the alarm was going off or uh something happened the tripper trigger the fail safe alarm or you know stoppage there's like three or four stop points where if something happened the trigger like a micro switch and would stop the entire thing okay at least they had some fail saves well because when i started working there you'd already been there for a few years and they were just starting to move everything to digital so i think it was i was there for a year year to a half when they were still doing projections mm -hmm. and you were not doing that at the time you were the supervisor but I, I always thought that would have been the coolest job and i always wanted to learn that but i never got the chance so i am super uh jealous i am like got jelly in my belly mm. but we are here because we both love movies and i want to ask you what first got you into movies like was there a certain movie was there a certain experience that kind of been like this is really cool i want to continue to like expand upon this and watch everything i can and just embrace myself in kino i don't think there was a single thing that got me into enjoying movies the first movie i can remember going to the theater and watching was batteries not included oh nice um we went my parents brought my brother and me you know i don't know when that movie came out early 85 84 something like that i remember going down downtown st paul to some small theater and we had popcorn that we pre-made and had in a brown little bag we're sneaking in the popcorn yeah <laughs> but in a but in a big brown lunch bag with you know the butter was oozing out of it so reminds me of that uh episode of it's always sunny where mm -hmm. charlie day tries to sneak a bag of spaghetti into a movie theater and ask them what's your spaghetti policy <laughs> so i remember so that was the first movie i remember watching and then my dad took me to the plaza maplewood which was a second run theater which is still there, but it hasn't been open since 2020. Um, so I don't know if it's going to reopen or not. It might be gone to the way the wayside. Um, but going there with my dad and watching um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, nice. Was that when it first came out or had it been out for a bit by then? It must have been a release. Was that your first time seeing it? In 81. Yeah, yeah, you're not quite, yeah. Maybe it was a re-release of um, with Last Crusade. Okay, because Last Crusade seen, was coming around around the time. Last, Last Crusade when I was really young at that theater. And Donovan's face, you know, turning into a skeleton. Yeah, he chose Because he chose poorly. poorly. <laughs> um, so was that, your, was that your first time seeing uh, yes. of the Last Ark? And yeah. had you seen Star Wars before then? Or was that just kind of your first introduction to Lucas? Uh, film in general that was my first introduction to spielberg and lucas oh wow that's quite the one i'm i'm like double jelly right now <laughs> that's that's a freaking badass oh my god that's crazy and then you just kind of just just continued to love movies i'm i'm assuming yep i would watch you know um just whatever was on tv and then uh jaws i walked in the room my parents are watching the saturday night movie and it was jaws they were watching some kind of movie, and it was Jaws on the TV, and it was this scene where Quint gets eaten. Oh, nice! Again, the... I'm like, again, I'm like five, five years old, scared the hell out of me. Right, you know, I'm not prepared mentally for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's like everyone's reaction with Jaws. It makes them afraid to even go in a tub for like a week, and like that, that must be the movie, like of any movie to like traumatize a whole generation. It's probably Jaws. Well, at the time, you know, I'm, what, five, six at most. I don't right. know. It was a fake. I don't no, know I, this movie. I thought, it's like, oh, my God, it's getting eaten. No, my absolutely. Parents, like, you shouldn't watch this. 
absolutely. What's well, just kind of like in the public zeitgeist, like everybody's freaked out by water after watching Jaws, and you hear the John, you know, Williams going, dun, 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 dun. you know, it's just it's just ingrained in people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really cool. And then you've seen a lot of movies more varied than I when it comes to kind of foreign films that aren't horror or just kind of just more kind of arty older films in general. But also that is the keynote, but the Zoid comes in with um, just the weird shit we watch. What kind of brought you into like horror and just kind of the the Zoidiness of cinema? Well, Zoidy, if you're going with I'm not talking I'm not talking about your freaking uh, um, uh, sex exploitation Black Emmanuel films. I'm just talking talking about zoid not not zoid we're making myself clear here right yeah okay so robots sure this is <laughs> when he when i hear zoid i think robots so check these robots so i'm i'm thinking like ultraman big o which is you know it's an anime but it's big robots evangelion um godzilla of course with you know space godzilla or mecha godzilla but so, like, what was your introduction? So, I'm, I might rethink this name. I'm not really, but when I when I say Zoid, I just kind of mean the the kind of off kilter, the kind of films that like are kind of like you know, it could be like horror, it could be like underground stuff, it could be kung fu, it could be you know something like The Room, just something that doesn't have that prestige and something that is kind of its own thing. Like, what kind of got you into those types of movies? Oh gosh, I don't know. Like, is there a specific like horror film or something you saw and you're like, this is really interesting. I want to like watch more of this. No, not I didn't see any horror movie when I was a young kid that was like off the wall, just kind of off, just kilter. My baby, one of my babysitters, when she was over, she brought some VHSs. She must have, and it was one of the Halloween movies, not the original, not the first, not the second. It must have been the third or the fourth. Okay, yeah. I just remember this guy transforming into a werewolf and scared the hell out of me. And, you know, we never, my parents never invited that babysitter back, but it stuck with me. They and get blacklisted, that the babysitter? Yeah. yeah. Then, you know, again, watching things that probably I wasn't ready for at a young age, like The Blob, not the Steve McQueen, but the 80s. Like version. the 80s, like the one that's really freaking nasty. Okay. Too, <laughs> too young for that movie. <laughs> I watched a whole lot of crap when I was too young. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, what the hell is this? I kind of like this. Yeah, well, it's kind of like the opposite for me. Like, I would censor myself. I would not watch an R-rated movie until I was, like, 17 without, like, on my own. You know what I mean? Most kids would be like, oh, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch that. Hmm. But, I don't know, what kind of got me in... So, we're going to, like, first movie experience in the theater. And for me, that I can remember, I was, like, four, is Phantom Menace. And I know a lot, you know, like the prequels have kind of gotten a better reputation than they did when they came out. And I imagine when Phantom Menace came out, you're kind of like, ah, so a lot of people were. Yeah, I had issues. You know, a lot of people had issues with Jar Jar and little Anakin. It's like, Darth Vader does not go. Yippee. Oh, I mean, Yippee. He did. He but did. Darth Vader. He doesn't go. Yippee. And I was like, well, he's not Darth Vader. He's Anakin Skywalker. He hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't been groomed by Palpatine yet. Good, Anakin. You did bad thing. Good. At the the time, you know, watching this movie, it's like, I know this kid's going to be Anakin or Darth Vader. You've never seen Anakin before. We just knew Anakin was Darth Vader's name. He was, he was, he he turned to the dark side because he couldn't get a Turbo Man. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that was. Uh, I, I, I purposely would go to Saving Private Ryan. Because Saving Private Ryan was playing the Phantom Menace trailer. Oh, that's right. Because a lot of people would go see a movie just to see the trailer because the internet wasn't around back then. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's a totally different world than we got now. I still remember Lord of the Rings website having to get quick time to watch the trailer and shit. But yeah, so you know, going back to kind of first theatrical experiences and you know, you saying batteries not included, you know, sneaking in the uh, popcorn that was probably some kind of felony, and then. Um, uh indiana jones which is which is amazing uh you know for me it was you know phantom menace and as a kid and this is like the first time like cgi was kind of used in this big epic way and you got darth maul and stuff it just like blew my mind and then you know i would see the original trilogy at my aunt's house because she had like the vhs's of the special editions and i'd be like i want to watch the snow one like i didn't know it was called empire i just knew it had the walkers i knew it had yoda and then it was just i think lord of the rings was kind of the big one for me 
because it hmm. came out at the right time. I was like seven or eight. Um, I was at like summer day camp at like the YMCA and they were having me all the older kids watch uh, Fellowship of the Ring because it just like came out on home video. And I was I was like, they wouldn't let me watch. It. I was like, I want to watch it. And they were like, fine, you're already a troublemaker. We'll just let you do what you want. And I'm watching it and I just kind of like, this is insane. And then for, you know, Christmas that year, I got like the collector's, you know, DVD box set, you know, with all the special features and stuff. So I'd always like watch the behind the scenes stuff. And it kind of made me realize there is so much more to film than what we just see on the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that, why I love getting the uh, making of books. And unfortunately, there are not so many of those making of uh, featurettes on the DVDs anymore, which is kind of sad, you know, because when they were really good, you know, like the stuff for Lord of the Rings, the stuff for Star Wars, you know, the stuff for all the alien movies and stuff. It felt like a film school. Mm -hmm. And I watch uh, Robert Rodriguez's uh, film like, school. I have not, except for like the ones on the Spy Kids DVDs. <laughs> and I, those well, probably those probably weren't his best uh, his best uh, schooling. It's all useful information. And it's even like audio commentaries. You can just learn so much about filmmaking just, mm -hmm. just from listening to the people that made it. It's kind of crazy. But, you know, I didn't really get into horror or anything till I was much older. But I would always, like, look forward to going to the movie theater. Because mm -hmm. we would be seeing a movie that I always want to see it right away. And to me, that was just kind of like this big kind of extravagant experience. We're going to watch this movie. And um, I don't know. I just always loved the movie movie theater since then. And that's why, you know, COVID was so hard because all the theaters were shut down and, like, losing my mind. So I have a question for you. What's the movie you've seen the most in the theater? The th movie I've seen the most in the theater? Um. Are we talking about like a like a movie that came out and watching it during its run or a, like an older movie and watching that over and over again? A uh, movie during its initial run. I'm, I was actually thinking about this the other day, and it might be the Batman because I saw that five or six times in the theater last year. I got that beat a little bit. Yeah. For for seeing the Batman or a different movie? No, no, no not the Batman. What, what was your movie? My movie was Jurassic Park. Oh, the original? Yes. Oh, my God. So. When I was in high school, uh, my 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 uh, history teacher, he was badass, and he always like swing his like ruler like a lightsaber and stuff, and like pretend to like hit kids if they're misbehaving. He won two IMAX tickets. Hmm. So my first time seeing it in the theater was with the 3D in the IMAX theater at the zoo, like the big like the real IMAX, not the IMAX. And that was like one of the best 3D um, restorations I've seen. Did you watch that one in 3D or no? Yeah, I think I did. I think was, I had the poster too. It was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really quite a good uh, yeah. conversion. But original run, I think it was 19 times. How old were you when that came out? 12. 11. So that was like the perfect age. Is just kind of just get enamored with this kind of it was three, monstrosity that Spielberg made. It was $3 a ticket at the Maplewood 2. But United Artists 2. There's I had United Artists 1 and United Artists 2 theaters right near me. So I just get dropped off and with my three dollars and go see Jurassic Park again and again and again and again. So, like, how much of a period of time was that? Like, were you going like every day, or was it kind of like, like, no, did you go like seven days straight, or no, no? I don't think my parents would uh let me do that straight a week. It was a couple times a week at most. It the thing was there all summer, and even in September, the, the it was still on the marquees. So it was still playing. So it's like one of those movies that stuck around for a while just because it was so good. Yeah. So you're not that guy that went to go see Avengers Endgame like 200 times during his theatrical run. I can't even imagine doing that. Jesus yeah. Christ. An ass of steel, I guess. Right. And when it comes to the, like, the Zoid uh, uh, naming, okay, it's it's not a sex organ. It's not a robot, okay? I just want to make sure we got this clear. It can be a sex organ if you want it to, but that's between you and you and the Zoid. No. Um, for 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 that, I didn't really get into horror until I started working at the theater, because you um that's when like the Evil Dead remake came out. Yeah, and I watched that, and I just got hooked. And like that was at the age when I was no longer seventeen, so I would, I went as extreme as possible, as quickly as possible. So I was like, I saw the Evil Dead remake. Let's do Campbell Hall. You know what I mean? Just do all this shit and get that out of my system. And then then it's like, let's appreciate the genre. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I was always into the horror, but now I've really grown, grown, grown to appreciate, you know, through you and through other people, like the 
very kind of world cinema, be it like the samurai movies, whether it be like kung fu movies, whether it be just kind of like there is so much out there, and it's insane like how much is out there. Yeah, I think the first horror movie I watched was you know the original Halloween. Oh yeah, yeah with the oh wait, was that before or after the babysitter situation? Um, after. Okay. I don't remember exactly when, but again, I was still young, maybe ten, twelve at you know, probably ten. Yeah. And somehow I got my hands on Halloween. <laughs> That's badass. Uh, the so, old VH, no, the old, you know, Friday night rentals at the video store. Yeah. When you when you would browse them, you would do cover shopping and gauge what movie you want to watch based off how cool the poster was or how scary the poster was or something, right? It was all about the box art. Absolutely, those were the good old days, and that was the box, the box art and the pictures on the back. Yes, and um. So when it comes to movies, do you have a favorite that you just like say, this is for me, it may, it may not be like the best movie, but this is like, this is my favorite movie. Like, this is the one I just enjoy the most. Mm, probably the one I enjoy the most is Empire Strikes Back. That's a solid choice. I mean, there's other movies, you know, you know, it always varies on the time or, you know, your mood of the day or right, right, absolutely. what you're, you're kind of feeling. But Empire Strikes Back, just go back and back and back to it. That's a, I mean, that's a really solid choice. And it's, uh, did you ever see that theatrically before we did the two Star Wars marathons or no? Yes, I did go to the special edition. You went to like the 97 special edition? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. I missed Return of Jedi special edition and missed. Oh, I can't remember why I missed it, but it was done and gone by the time I got available to see it. It's probably the one you're probably glad you didn't watch a special edition for. <laughs> Jedi, Miss Jedi Rock. Was that was that was that in the '97 or that must have been added in the 2004? I think it was '97. The CG is too good for '97. Hey, Lucas is a Lucas is a pusher. He is, and we did um because I started really getting into Star Wars and stuff around the time uh, Force Awakens came out. So you know the mar whole marketing thing was working on me. Um, we did a marathon of one through seven at the time, and that was a pretty that was a pretty cool to kind of see them in chronological order, like back to back, because everyone was just kind of waiting to go see Force Awakens. That was kind of the thing overlooming the whole like day, just kind of like we're we gonna we're we gonna see where this all leads. And so, the, you know, was that your first time seeing all of them uh, theatrically, kind of in one spot, or? Yep, all in one sitting. Yep. And then we did, um, you know, the we did the twenty five marathon hour marathon of um one through nine when nine came out yeah and that was not such a nice experience that was a bit of a stretch because well, you you were able to sleep yeah i found a couple of empty seats in the front i was so, not so able I, was, to... I was able to doze and i've seen the movie so often that um i would slightly wake up and you know characters would be saying stuff and i knew exactly what they were in the movie right right I didn't really need to watch it because I've seen it so many times. Right. It's just kind of like, that was too much. So when it comes, because I, I would say that is probably my worst theatrical or best that worst and worst, best and worst theatrical experience, I guess. See them all, all at once was cool, even though I couldn't sleep at during it all. Do you have a favorite theatrical experience? That's just kind of like, this is kind of the highlight of going to movies my whole life. I've had some bad ones, but nothing... Not not the not the the turkey jerky not the jerky uh like the human jerky situation. Well, that was a pretty that was a pretty interesting night. Would you, so would you would would you say that's your favorite theatrical experience? It's memorable, very memorable. Yes. Yeah. Do you wanna you wanna walk everybody through uh, what I happened love, with love, that because it was quite a trip. I loved that theater before the Parkway before it got renovated. You know, it's good, wasn't it? Yeah. But it used to be just this pit. You know, it had a hole. The ceiling had holes in it. Piping was exposed. Um, heat barely worked if it did at all. It no felt, it felt like a like grindhouse theater from like the eighties in New York, and you just felt like touching something on there was going to give you some sort of disease. Yeah, I mean, I would go there for Saturday morning matinee Godzilla movie. Right, right. Was that yeah. that was before it got remodeled? That was before like they were still remodeled. doing stuff. Okay, that's really they were cool. still doing stuff like that, and I went on mid-January some date and it was like 14 degrees and now I have my my heavy winter coat and hat gloves big mittens and 
a couple blankets and I got to the door and they're locked and the guys, the guy came out and he's like, sorry, we're closed. The, uh, the cold broke the pipes. Jesus. So we can't show movies today. And then yeah. pretty soon after that, they closed down and the, the building got sold. You know, they sold the theater. Okay. Was it sold, uh, when we went for the 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 cannibal double feature, or was it under was it new, under new ownership at the time, or was it the old owner? It was the, the old ownership. Okay, it had to be. Well, yeah. So this was, I think, the day the night before Thanksgiving. Um, it's super freaking cold. The theater had no heat. Uh, we were we were there. Night. Yeah, it, yeah, yep. Yeah, we were there heat, to. Yeah, they didn't have a heat, so the heater broke. Yeah, so they they had that rented heater. And there was a kid there saying it's costing us like 500 bucks to do that. And you kind of feel bad because this kid is in. So as soon as you like walk to the theater, there's a sign on the door saying these movies are repulsive and they will offend you. And we're not giving you any money back. Like know what you're getting into. And there's a kid there just kind of like dealing with everything while like Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox is playing on the screen. Yeah. This was a double feature of like the two nastiest cannibal movies on 30. Was it 35? Wasn't it? It was 35. Remember the, uh, the print broke. Oh, that's right for Holocaust, and they're like, "Well, we can play the Blu-ray," and you're like, "Nah, let's let's," because it would take like three or four minutes for them to change every reel, right? Okay, mm-hmm. print broke, and so yeah, they had the refix, they had the resplice together, and then the audio didn't work for a little bit. So you're watching the guy getting his his leg chopped off uh, from and, the snake bite in dead in dead silence. So it looks like a silent, you know, like it looks like a snuff film voice. or something. Yeah, <laughs> and then on top of that, there is some guy who made some. Uh, he says beef jerky. Let's hope it's beef jerky, because if not, we've probably committed some kind of crime here. He was selling that he made, and there was what there was like some kind of like tropical Jamaican one and a regular one. That's yeah. good jerky. Very but good. It just kind of added to the whole weird aspect of that night. Yeah, and you're sitting on these beat up sofas. They weren't even like movie theater seats. Yeah, sofas that you know the pushing the springs have all collapsed, so you're just sink down, sink down watching. You're sitting in these dirty, 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 dirty old sofas, you know, bundled up, <laughs> eating, well, eating jerky and under blankets. And it's like, it's just, you know, heck of a time. Well, because the movie already, when you're watching, you just feel like you're coated in grime and filth. And I feel so dirty. I need to take a shower after this. And it's kind of the setting where it made you feel like that. So you just feel like you're just filth in general. Yeah. That was that was a fun night. I guess fun is fun is a good word for it. Yeah. Um, so then do you, so we talked about our favorite movies. Do you have any like favorite like series or filmmakers or anything you want to talk about? Uh, filmmakers, you know, it's all the general, you know, Spielberg, Lucas, Coppola, Hitchcock, Scorsese, Tarantino, Cameron, Ridley, uh, series. Star Wars, obviously. Star Wars, obviously. Indiana Jones, obviously. You're looking forward to uh, Destiny? The who? The Dial of Destiny, the new one coming out. Oh, yes, I'm looking forward. I'm looking to forward to the, the most generic way to describe this movie. Looking forward to Destiny. My Destiny? Well, we'll see. <laughs> no matter what you tell me to review, say I'm looking forward to it. Says the guy who hates Last Jedi, even though it's got 95 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, well, I got issues with that movie. That's another time, folks. <laughs> uh, the Godzilla series. It's a classic. It is. It's well. So, are you are you a Showa era or are you a Heisey era? I'm more of a Showa. Are you okay? So the Showa era is stuck is good. And for anyone who doesn't know, um, Japan really kind of uh, they they categorize things and kind of like how China does dynasties in like eras and kind of what was going on in the country at the time. And Showa was like what sixties to seventies. So it's these Godzilla movies were very kind of kitschy and like it was a lot of kind of like uh kind of made more for kids American sixties influence in the filmmaking and stuff and um yeah they're very much more made for kids it wasn't towards the end with like Terror of Godzilla they kind of get more adult because there is some blood and there's like a pair of boobs at the in that one <laughs> like that like that's like the only kind of nudity I think in the entire like franchise is like the one from seventy four whatnot Terror of Mechagodzilla. Yeah, I think the first Godzilla movie that I watched, it might have been the the first Godzilla, but the Americanized version with uh, Raymond Burr. I was going to say, like the, the the original Godzilla when it came out in the U.S., 
they added more scenes to kind of ruin the whole message of the movie being very pro-US, pro-nuke, and it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. And then I, of course, at the radio, I went to this, I would go to this little video store um, that was next to a bakery. And, you know, kind of limited selection, but they had some movies that they didn't have at uh, Blockbuster or Mr. Movies. They had some of the Godzilla uh, VHSs. So Godzilla versus Mecha uh, Godzilla, um, the insect guy. Oh Mr. yes, Peter yeah. made from... like the cockroach god yes. guy thing for like Atlantis or something. Yes, yes, they, yes. They have a jet jet jaguar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Badass. So it's all these you know, at, even at that time, beat up VHS you know covers. Right. It's like that shop in Robbinsville we went to where it's just like just all these old VHSs. Yeah, basically like that. You know, it's sun damaged because had this it was they're all next to this window. So um yeah. <laughs> so I'd watch that you know, that would be my rental pick and you know, I'd watch these movies and like that was pretty fun. Right? Yeah. It's like so, I don't get it all, but that was pretty fun. Yeah, that's a thing. Like the show era is really is really like nostalgic and it's really cool, but just the 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 high sea era is like what eighties to like the early two thousands, and that's when like the monsters got way more creative. The stories kind of got more wacky and kind of more Japanese, I guess to say for lack of a better term. Um, there's some really cool monsters and shit. Just for me, that was kind of more entertaining because it felt kind of more. Like what I imagined the Godzilla movie would be like. Hmm. Um, there's a like the Godzilla against Mechagodzilla two with like the woman who's like they're because they're like in like Mechagodzilla they're controlling through like a like a like a Gundam type thing. Like the whole subplot was with her trying to live up to her potential. Like I feel like they did some more interesting things than the show stuff. Well, they had a little bit more technical abilities. Oh, definitely. And then you get the one that's like the whole like Matrix ripoff with the CGI. But... The Final Wars. Zilla is like the the ninety seven Matthew Broderick uh, Roland Emmerich movie. Like that thing is so awful that in the, the next Japanese movie, you know, it's he's like a CGI monstrosity and he gets killed off in one second. They're just yeah. kind of making a statement towards that movie, which is Godzilla just slaps him with his tail and then <laughs> uh, atomic blasts him. And it's like, what is going on in that movie? Because like, because then the original Showa trilogy, there was these aliens from like Planet X, and they're just humans with kind of like sunglasses or something. Yeah. And then they go with that in this one, and it turns into like a full Matrix thing. And this whole like fight scene on like a highway in slow motion and shit, and just kind of like, what is what is this? Yeah, yeah, I love the old the old Planet X aliens, and and their makeup gets from their disguise gets ripped off, or you know, this right. Story. And it's like the cockroach. No, there was that one with the cockroach. Um, the one you were talking about, this shore one with um the guy with the the like the jigsaw kind of arms. Yes, yes, yes. And like it was basically the aliens were cockroaches, and then it, it's like a giant cockroach, like uh, they, like they optical never, effects, like yeah, imposed never, onto. They just had the shadow projected on the wall, right? And I love the idea. Of there's like Godzilla theme park, and there's like this giant Godzilla shaped skyscraper. That might be my favorite of the shore ones. Those are that one's so, pretty good. Those, those old ones are so wacky. I know. So, um, movies. Yeah. What about movies kind of draws you about it? Like, what about movies kind of keeps you coming back and kind of wanting to explore what you know what Kinozoids have to offer? I don't. Well, it's. I like the I like the quote quote in the Fablemans. Uh, movies are dreams that you never forget, and they're like, I like going to the movies because you know it's bigger, larger than life characters, bigger than life situations. Um. And it's done well, and it just sucks you in, transports you to a different, you know, era, area. Uh, it's escapism. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's escapism. It's art. It can have messages. And, you know, for me, just, I think it's the ultimate art form uh, because it is so collaborative, and it uses every kind of medium and kind of craft or trade you can think of. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what you do, there is a way to incorporate that into movies, which I think is really crazy. So that's been kind of a little introduction 
on both uh, me, David, and Peter, my co-host slash uh, cohort, who will be joining us for a lot of episodes. I hope to have some other of my you know buddies in at some point. So this this whole episode is just kind of a good way to kind of get to know us a little bit better before we kind of focus you know gears on different things in different episodes. I think we want to do an episode on Oppenheimer and Barbie when that comes out because that's a keynote event of the year. But also it, it could range from things as talking about movies we've seen or covering a specific genre or specific movie. So with that, let's talk about stuff within the past year that we would like to recommend and think we're pretty good. So what is on your list, uh, Peter? Um, movies I enjoyed from 2022 that people probably should watch. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Death on the Nile. Yep. The Batman. Yep. I was blown away by the Batman. The Batman was amazing. That was the reason I saw that nine times or whatever many times I said in the theater. When I, when I you know, heard that Robert Pattinson had been cast as Bruce Wayne, I was like, Robert but, Pattinson? And then, you know, I had watched other movies. You know, I hadn't watched a movie from him since Remember Me. Did well, you what, Remember Me? Or I well, think that's called where he's, the last shot is him um, standing at in the World Trade Center windows and the camera pulls back. And, oh, it was like a 9-11 movie? Oh. Okay, so everybody don't says watch, that. I don't watch that movie. They're like, I don't want to watch Batman because it's got the guy from Twilight. So have you seen anything he did post-Twilight? Like all his arty stuff? Like he did the stuff with Safety Brothers. Um, he did no, a few movies with David Cronenberg. The only movie I think I saw besides that 9-11-ish movie was um, The Lost City of Z. It was an was Amazon it? original movie. Was Robert Pattinson in that? Yes, he was. Um, he's not the main character. It's Charlie Hutton, I believe, is the main character. Yeah, based on uh, the real life explorers. No, I saw that. For, I liked it. Yeah, searching for a last lost city in the Amazon. It's one of the few non Star Wars things uh, Palpatine's in. Yeah, <laughs> he's also in. Or Ian McDermott is also in Sleepy Hollow. Is he? Oh, is, yeah, that's right. The Tim Burton like Johnny Depp one, right? I love that movie. It's so good. Yes, I need to rewatch that. Um, Tim Burton does hammer horror, basically. Yeah. Um, so other movies are The Northman, um, Elvis, Men, Nope, Prey, which should have got a theatrical release. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, which was amazing. Uh, Werewolf by Night, Avatar 2, Top Gun 2, Terrifier 2, and The Fablements. Those are all, all movies. Those are all some really big picks, and I see my list is very similar. So I just, I so let's just kind of talk about a few of these movies. So have you seen Barbarian or no? No, I did not. Okay, so that one I would recommend. It's on Hulu. It is a, a horror film. You know, me and and uh, my buddy, you know, Naveed. Yeah. Um, we went to go see a movie because we were gonna go to a concert. And we wanted to, you know, kill some time. So we go see Barbarian, and it. Have you ever see uh, what's that movie? Castle Freak. No. Heard you know of the, it? Never you know seen the premise it. of it though. No. Well, it's basically it's um the guy that did Reanimator, and it's got the actor um Herbert West actor Jeffrey Coombs mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh moves to an Italian castle that he inherits from his like cousin or something, and there's this like demented monster living in the basement that's causing issues. So basically, you know, the movie is you know this woman goes to Detroit uh for a job on like a like a film or something as a documentary person. And she's in an Airbnb in this really bad neighborhood. And of course, oh, yeah. And then the another guy shows up and says he booked that Airbnb. Well, he's already staying in it. Oh, he's always oh, already there. Okay. Yeah. So then so then the whole thing, you think it's going to be them not, you know, he's a creep. It's, you know, it's the the it actor, um, uh, Alexander Scars. No, Stella. No, uh, not Alexander Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Because he's he's creepy he's, he's a creepy dude. He's got the creepy smile. And you think it's going to go that direction. You realize he's actually a decent person. He has some connection to what she's doing. And they kind of talk and they kind of bond. There's actually some kind of weird monster living in the basement. Mm -hmm. And then they go into, you know, they get, they deal with that monster and then it captures them. And then the movie does a 180 and it's Justin Long on like the California coast highway, you know, singing along and you get some phone call that his career is getting canceled and stuff. Cause he was, he said some like, sexist remarks to someone and then he like he owns the house they're staying at as an airbnb property so he goes there to kind of like sell it so he knows his career's over here. 
So like the movie's great because it's so like off kilter. Like he's in the Airbnb. He notices people are staying there. He's not paying attention. And then he goes in the basement. In the basement, there's this like kind of like hallway corridor where there's like all these dog cages and all these like weird looking shit. And he's so focused on measuring the square footage because according to the law in the area, anything under the house that's connected, he owns. So he's he's just like focusing on measuring it as like all this weird shit's going on in the background. And it just like turns into some wild, wild thing. And it's really fun. So I recommend watching it. Yeah, uh, you, you, I remember you recommended Barbarian and Smile. Oh, a smile's I, really I good. I didn't see that one either. And that was like a first-time director too, and it's really well shot and stuff. Um, so Northman was another good one we saw last year, and that is um Robert Eggers. Have you seen The Witch or The Northman? Not Northman, The Lighthouse's two previous movies. I've seen The Witch. I did not see The Lighthouse. Okay, we need to change that lighthouse is great. Northman was really good. You liked it? I did. I did. I liked how kind of um, earthy everything was, very naturalistic lighting story was you know not unfamiliar kind of a storyline it was like a re revenge kind of like going yeah. back to yeah and like alexander skarsgård was great willem dafoe's in it we actually see willem dafoe's most uh infamous uh contribution to cinema hmm. you know what i'm talking about i know what you're talking about yes uh for those that don't know well watch the fucking movie hey it's a it's a kevin bacon moment from uh you ever watched Wild Things with Kevin Bacon? No. He has a Kevin Bacon moment. Let's just say <laughs> it's a uh, it's a basic instinct moment. <laughs> um, no, it's really good. It's really well shot. It's got some beautiful cinematography, like the fight at the as the volcano is going off is really cool. Um, it's very kind of grounded in kind of what was going on at the time because it's set in the Viking era, so it's very like violent. It's very brutal. Um, highly recommended. I think the big highlight for a lot of people that a lot of people surprised last year was Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Like it's uh Christopher McQuarrie who is coming off Tr Tron and then that no 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 he he wrote it. I'm thinking of um the guy that John did Krasinski. Tron John no, Krasinski. Not... Yeah, Jonathan Krasinski. No, Joseph Krasinski. Joseph Krasinski. Joseph Krasinski. those names are so similar. The director of Tron 2, yeah. The director of Tron Legacy who also did like a movie about firefighters a few years later. Is doing Top Gun, uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who has been working with Tom Cruise on most of. Well, he also did um, Oblivion with Tom Cruise. Oh, that's right. That's right. That was actually really good. That's, too. An, un that's an underrated movie. It absolutely is. And it's another kind of very. Uh, yes, we need to talk about that at some point. It's really. No, Top Gun's really good because the first one, I know, and you're probably a big fan of it or no? Top first one? I love yeah. the first one. So I didn't I didn't watch it until a few years ago, and it definitely shows its age, and it's also a very kind of 80s kind of over-the-top masculinity and stuff, so it's kind of problematic in that regards. And the sequel kind of is the same story over again, but finds a way to make the first movie matter more with kind of the dynamic with a, a goose dying yeah. or rooster? Goose. Rooster is his son. Go Rooster's his son. He was denied his career was kind of set back by Tom Cruise not like letting like promoting him basically. So that is kind of the conflict of the movie. But also the conflict is uh Tom Cruise is forced to teach this crew how to like do this impossible mission. Yeah, he's basically telling teaching them how to do the trench run from Star Wars. Exactly. So like the the trench run is basically the antagonist of the movie, and it's great because you know it's there's no kind of real defined threat it's just like it's a snowy country somewhere across the world we got to go to it's like it's obviously yeah. russia but they ain't saying that yeah, or uh, north korea right or north korea but they ain't saying that because they don't want to get too political hey if you say it then you lose out on that potential movie market for showing it right it's, yeah they have a lot of multiplexes in north korea oh hey well <laughs> somebody's watching something there right just imagining the 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 Kim Jong, uh, cinema cinema, yeah, and all all it's playing is all move all of the Hollywood blockbusters, but with his face kind of <laughs> like uh, deep faked on everything. Yeah, it's this gigantic uh, glacial building with a giant screen, and all these seats, but just him. Avatar with Kim Jong face on it. Oh my god, that would oh, I want this actually. Is, if, any, if anybody listens to this and like deep fake deep fake Kim Jong Un onto Avatar, she, deep fake Kim Jong Un onto Avatar. Every character, like, do the trailer <laughs> for the first Avatar, but deep fake him. And if you do that, I will 
I don't know, but good things will come your way. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, so the the cool thing about the new Top Gun is it was all practical, for the most part. They sh- they all the actors were in F one, you know, the j- flight jet things. I can't speak F eighteen. Right the F eighteens. They weren't dry pilot them, obviously, but they were basically in control of the camera. So they would actually practice beforehand on like a mock-up. So they had to learn cinematography. They'll learn how to shoot. They had to learn how to act. They had to learn to withstand all these Gs. And you can feel it. Like the way they have the cameras set up, they have these like tiny IMAX cameras. It, it's this kind of like panoramic view of like the whole cockpit and shit. So you feel like you're in there with them and you can see them pulling the Gs and stuff. Uh, I liked it as much as the original. I, I still love the original. The you know, original is just very 80s, gung-ho, jingoistic. America is the best. Right. Well, the other thing, too, about about the new one is it just kind of came out at the right time where people kind of needed a dumb blockbuster. That, while was not the most deep movie, it was inter- entertaining. I knew exactly what it was. It was you did of, not... You did one not... of the few things that uh, benefited from being delayed from the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. There was actually, when it, before it came out, like there was one of those um, phantom screenings of the original Top Gun, and people went to it, and then Tom Cruise appeared on screen. It's like, you think you're seeing the original? No, you're seeing the second one before anybody else. Like imagining someone who has, does not give a flying shit about Top Gun Maverick wanting to see the 86 and be like, fuck you, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, you Did you see X or Pearl? I'm guessing not. Did not. Did not. Um, let us talk about the indie sensation of last year, Terrifier 2. Mm-hmm. What'd you think of that one? I loved it. It was great, wasn't it? I was it? not prepared for how violent it was going to be. Uh, we went to that theater that was had a bit of a sketch feel to it. And then we go in the bathroom, there's bloody tissue everywhere, and we're like, this is scarier than the... This is more terrifying than Terrifier 2. Yeah. Yeah, I, I knew of Art the Clown. I knew of the character. I had not seen Terrifier One or you know, the uh, shorts that he had been in, the character. Yeah. So I knew it was going to be violent, but yeah, I was not prepared for the level well, of of the makeup effects were just fantastic for the budget that they had. No, absolutely, and like the film cost, uh, I want to say like half a million dollars or something. Like it's very very low budget, and it made like it made so much with such a limited theatrical release that they kept showing it over and over again it made like in like 20 million dollars or something which is insane and the first movie the first terrifier is not that great of a movie like it's got some cool kills like a woman gets jack you know jack sawed in half yeah it is not that great of a movie and this one did kind of ups the ante because it's like a two and a half hour slasher but the characters are really interesting it really leans into kind of the 80s kind of like nostalgic aesthetic um the kills are crazy like that bedroom scene Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh my god so yeah there's a so mean-spirited like the main character's best friend gets killed off in the most brutal way possible she's in her bed and then terrifier clown art the clown comes in and basically skins her like rips her hair off and then like keeps stabbing her in the back and then like pulls out her skin and starts pulling salt and bleach in the wounds and it's just and then she's like then her, bubbly then her, mom, then her mom comes home and goes into her bedroom and art's there next to her and She's still alive. Is that when she gets? Is she the one that the mashed potatoes or no? Yeah, he uh, shoots her face off, doesn't it? With a and, then, gun. Then, then, and then it's like it's, he's got this whole Thanksgiving dinner with like the apron and stuff, and just shoving spoonfuls of mashed potatoes into her head yeah. hole. <laughs> Man, that movie is just so kind of mean spirited. It yeah. is, and it's it's so much fun. Yeah, this is where the Zoid comes into the Kino Zoid. So I just I just want to bring that up. Um, so Terrifier 2 was good. It's not a movie for everybody due to how violent it is, but it is fun. Uh, I guess let's let's just kind of talk about the Avatar briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a long wait for the second one, but I'd say it was worth it. Yeah, how long of a wait? Over 10 years? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I think it was worth it. It was yeah. again, basic story. Yeah. Yeah, and then people say that about the movies, and I'm like, I agree with that. However, just the creativity of the world is so insane. Yeah, the like, one thing I love about Cameron movies are the production design, because the guy used to be a production designer, right? And the guy can draw if he if he wants something made, he'll make a drawing of it. Like, right, what I want. It's like his original drawing like of the Navi from high school. It matches so close to what he made. Yeah. Um, um everything production everything just feels it's like 
Yeah, I, I believe that. Right. I and like that it, fit that fits in that world. Like it has some kind of like relation to a real, real world where you could see it kind of existing in the future where it seems practical and not just super stylized or anything. And the other thing too is the 3D, and I thought it was the best 3D I've seen in the theater. Like mm-hmm. he really knows how to use it. And it really worked with the underwater. You just kind of felt like you're floating in there. And um, I saw it once in the high frame rate, and it seemed to add quite a bit to the 3D and kind of make it better. Like it's exactly what it is. It you know played it safe. It seems like it's going to be setting up for some crazy stuff in the sequels. Three and a half hours long, but it's 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 good. Yeah, I do enjoy Cameron, you know, being restrained more or less with his action at the end, where you know it would be a Michael Bay or contemporary other director would just shoot his wad. Well, that's what's crazy. All at once, all at once with make explosions, 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 gunfire, shaky cam, shaky cam. Well, Cameron, um, just kind of you know, it slow starts off slow. Yes layers and then layers and, la- and then you think it's done he's like no it's not done i got then I you're got, watching titanic another 30 minutes in me right like 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 the action starts off slow kind of realistically and then slowly just ramps out the ridiculousness and then it turns into titanic yeah and that's crazy because you don't see it coming as you're watching it first happen and just like slow gradual unlike michael bay you said just shooting his whole wad at once yeah, no, it's, it's really, really well done. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, of course, is the movie that everybody's talking about. And I, I fucking love that movie. Um, I thought it did a really good job just kind of telling this really human story on just kind of why you shouldn't just fall into this kind of nihilism mindset, this kind of like everything's doomed mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you recommended that one to me, and so you... That was one of those movies that you kept saying, we got to watch this movie. You got to see this movie. And then I kept coming up. Oh, excuses why you couldn't. Not purposely. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> for, what, half a year? Yeah, it seemed kept, like something like that. Things kept coming up, and I was like, no, nah, I can't do it then. And I was like, no, I'm not feeling it now. Oh, I can't come over this time. Are you glad you watched it? I am glad. Yes. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was ever going to want, enjoy it. Man, I, always, like, I always enjoy watching Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, Kihui Kwan, just seeing him just kind of spot up the limelight is great. Mm-hmm. It's very creative. It's it's done with a pretty small budget, and they did a lot. And I can't yeah. wait to see what they do next. They're doing an episode of one of the new Star Wars shows, Skeleton Crew, which I'm, I'm quite cautious for. Um, well, have there been any other? Because there's been, feel like there's been a few instances where I keep recommending something and you're like hesitant and then you watch it. Has there been any instances where it, it exceeded your expectations? And have there been instances where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I should have not, never fucking watched this? Uh, some people are going to hate me, but uh, Midsummer and what was the other hereditary? I will say though, we did see uh, uh, Bo is Afraid and then you loved it. I did. I did like Bo is Afraid. Yes, it was great. So I'm I'm glad that there's one movie from Ari that you enjoyed. <laughs> the Cronen the uh the uh Cronenberg one, Possessor. Oh yeah, that one. That, that was okay. Yeah. Not not my favorite. Uh Mandy? That, what? Mandy? Nick Cage. Oh yes. You like that one? It's the one that that's another one that you kept uh getting trying to get me to watch for right. months and months and months. Uh yeah, I enjoyed that more than I thought I was going to. Yes. I was See, kind of on an anti-Nick Cage kick for a while. And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was that was pretty good. Um, Prey was really good. That was on Hulu. And like you said, it should have gotten theatrical release. And it's probably the best Predator movie since the original. I do, I do enjoy Predator 2. That is a fun one, yes. But as an overall movie... It's tough for me. This yeah. group Predator Two. So would you would you say it was like Predator, Predator Two, and Prey kind of tied with Predator Two, or I would put Predator Two and Prey tied. Okay, and then was it does it go kind of like Predators and then the Predator? Predators with Adrian Brody all jacked up. Yeah, and, and uh, the, the Predator, and then the AVP movies below oh, those. We don't can we don't talk about those. I'm, I was supposed to tell you we don't mention AVP at all during this podcast. So. I, I made a mistake of seeing those in the theater. Like how AVP 2, because the first one was PG-13 and people were pissed off. It's like, this ain't Alien, this ain't Predator. Then you got AVP-R. And then it's just like, 
R. What, what are we going to call the R? Well, it's R because it's bloody. Let's call it Requiem. Then you watch it and it's just a steaming pile of shit that's yeah, bloody. I just, I just remember it being dark all the time. Yeah, you can't even see, see the shit. fucking movie. Yeah. You don't see a damn thing. No, the movie was, was terrible. Well, I was pissed off. I was, thank God I saw it at a second run. So it was, like, so it was like two bucks. I was like, thank God. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Batman is really good. That is honestly the best Batman movie, I would say. People are going to say The Dark Knight, but it's a good movie. I don't think it's a good Batman movie. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the Batman. That might be my favorite Batman. I mean, I always love the Michael Keaton right. Batman. Yeah, I'd like um, Batman Returns more than Batman the original, even though I saw Batman the original in the theater. I agree. I'd agree with you on that. Batman Returns is a masterpiece. I don't care what anyone says. It, they're really hard to hard to for me to rank it because I love things from both movies so much. I, I remember I, I I remember seeing Batman the original and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. Um. Not not at you know not back to back, but I was with my dad and my my dad was taking my brother and I to the movies and. We had the choice, Batman or Turtles. Right. And it was flip a coin. And I think we saw Turtles. And then the next time we saw Batman. Okay, so it's like, you won, so next time we're going to do the other one that we had. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. That's actually a kind of cool system to kind of deal with that kind of sibling kind of rivalry, if you will. Yeah. No, it was really my good. Brother, my brother wanted to see Batman because he loved uh, Yeah. And I wanted to see the Turtles. Yeah. So the, the um the movie it just just does such a good job of just kind of kind of creating a grounded gritty world where it's a Batman still learning and everything about it so well done all the you know dynamics between the characters and, and yeah, it's just... like Batman it's like Batman Year One but he's been around he's been operating for what they say like a year two years Tom yeah so and he's kinda... he's established himself a little bit so he's not uh, Batman Begins beginning. And it's got a lot of kind of kind of those serial killer kind of seven zodiac kind of elements to it, mm -hmm. where Batman's trying to uncover you know things before things get worse. It's just an it's just an amazing movie, and it's got the really good score and cinematography. And this is so good. Um, I think my but, favorite scene is still the Batmobile revving up. Oh yes. Well, the other thing too is like all that stuff is shot so unlike a blockbuster because that whole like chase sequence is shot through like the windshield, like the uh, side uh, mirror and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just such a pretty movie too because again, Greg Frazier who did um, Dune and Rogue One lit it, and he's just like the master at just getting so much out of kind of like more muted color palettes and just making them very beautiful. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it can't touch Batman and Robin though. Oh, did you get your bat credit card ready? My bat, no. Your bat visa? I was declined. Oh yeah, because the the dinosaurs were killed by ZICG. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I, I watched Batman uh, Returns, which is the one with Val Kilmer and Tommy Lee Jones, and it just that's like, Batman Forever. Wait, yes, see, I can't even keep it. Batman Forever. Um, what the heck was? Tommy Jones doing in that movie. Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know what the hell he thought he was doing. That was not. <laughs> it was totally the opposite from what I would expect Two Face to be like. He ain't no Aaron Eckhart. I, I can say that much. No. So let's talk about two more on the list, and then we'll kind of head out for the for the day. Nope, which is the third movie by Jordan Peele. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that one? I really enjoyed it. It was really uh, good very different than his usual kind of horror because it starts out as a horror film and it turns into something else and people were saying it's so different and it's kind of more pretentious which i don't agree with that um it is very much a warning on making a spectacle out of things and the dangers that come with that while the movie itself being a spectacle because it starts off as an alien movie and turns into jaws with the ufo yeah so it's riding this very fine line between being the very thing it's warning against. And then there's this whole subplot with the the chimpanzee and the child actor and kind of how he never cut, recovered from the trauma. And it's just a really good movie. Um, you know, for example, it kind of like shows what was happening at the industry, kind of, kind of all these crafts. Like 
you know, the main character, he owns a horse ranch that's been working in the industry since the beginning of movies. You know, dad, his dad dies, so he's trying to kind of recover the business. They're at like a shoot for a commercial. The horse acts up. So then you see as they kind of lose their job in the background, a green screen horse being brought in. And then they're talking about how their his first movie he's working with on his dad with his dad was the Scorpion King, and they decided they want a camel. So it just kind of shows how these kind of like unlooked kind of crafts or kind of businesses in the industry get you know side swapped at the last minute in ways that like really don't help them. Well, people not paying attention to what he was trying to tell them about yeah. being safer on the horse. Yeah, uh, that didn't help. Didn't help his case. No, you don't horse around uh, around the horse. I'll just say that much. <laughs> um, no, it's you surprised me in how how much I enjoyed it. How you know, kind of um, horrific it was. It's very yeah. horrific if you think about it. Yeah. But what's happening with the people? Oh yeah, it's raining blood and stuff. They're getting eaten inside a giant stomach. Yes. Once you, this... figure out, once you figure out what that screaming noise is, I think it's terrifying yeah <laughs> it's got the really good cinematography from uh this here seriously this is this guy's name this is the cinematographer uh christopher nolan works with his name is hoyt von hoytima he's <laughs> got some really good cinematography with that and they found a way to do day for night because most of that stuff was day for night i don't know if you knew that or not yeah i figured yeah because they ended up like shooting it once and then they shot it again with an infrared camera which is like kind of brilliant when you think about it so that way they can get like the light readings and be able to make it look realistic. So there's all these like, very wide vistas of like the South California, like Valley Hills and stuff. It's just a beautifully shot movie. Mm -hmm. And the, the last one I, I want to talk about is the Fablemans. Yes. I remember you were a bit hesitant about it just because it seemed like a big Spielberg fluff piece. Yeah, it felt like him um, stroking his ego. But then you watch it and it, it is, but it isn't because it's done very like respectfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what'd you think of that one? I enjoyed that a whole lot more than I ever thought I was going to be. Right. Enjoying it. It's so good. Because you think it's going to be a movie about him kind of becoming a filmmaker, but it just, it's a movie about a messy divorce and how he uses film as a way to kind of like deal with it and kind of um, uses art as a way to kind of inspire and help others. And then help himself through whatever trauma is going through at the time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The parental drama, the bullying drama. And uh, like there's that scene with uh, Judd Hirsch, who's his uncle who comes in to kind of pay the respects after his what grandfather, grandfather, grandmother dies. Um, grandmother, I believe. And he's like, he has his room and he was like an old Hollywood actor. And he's someone who was, you know, did the sideshows, like putting his head in the mouth lying. And he could see that uh, Fableman, Sam Fableman, I think. Mm-hmm. His um, he had that passion for the cinema, the passion for the art, and he says, you know, this is gonna be your whole life. You're gonna try to figure out your passion and the things that you love and mean to you, your family and your passion, and one is gonna you know, have higher you know, uh, priorities over the other, and you have to figure out what you want to do. And he's like, well, so you putting your head in the lion's mouth is that art? And he's like, no, figuring out how to have the lion not eat you is art. Yeah, and then the. Sorry, last, yeah. I was going to say the last scene of the movie is brilliant because, you know, according to Spielberg, it's exactly how it happened. And it's got the greatest cameo of anything last year. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Where's the goddamn horizon? Because he's uh, he gets he gets an interview for a TV show. And then the person's like, no, 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 no. You want to talk to was it John Ford? You want, hey kid, you want to talk to the world's greatest director? Right. And then he he's goes like, he's just across the hall. He's sitting in the office for a few hours. John Ford comes in. He's got like lipstick all over his face. His assistant runs in, kind of tidies his lumps, like, you got a minute. And he's like, and he's like David Lynch. And like, and he looks just like John Ford did at the time with the eye patch and, you know, chewing on the stogie. He's like, you want to make movies? Look at this painting here. Where is the horizon? What's going on in this photo? Uh, Well, you know, they're, they're looking for something. No, no, no. Where's the horizon? Well, it's I on the bottom. Like God. There's, two, there's two guys and uh, they're on a horseback and they're looking for something. It's like, like, no, no, where's the horizon? Now look uh, at this this photo here. Well, they're they're no five... no no no. Where's the horizon? Like... What's on the above? Good. Anything 
if the horizon's above, it's interesting. If the horizon's below, it's interesting. If the horizon's in the in the middle, it's fucking boring. Now go make yourself a movie. Get the hell out of my office. And then the last shot of the movie is him walking out of the studio, and then the, the camera kind of pans towards the middle and pans up and down. So it's just like a whole kind of gag. I like what he just said. It's so brilliant. I love it. And this is why we do this, because we love movies, and we want to share our love with you. Um, and with that, it's been a pleasure chatting with you for the past uh, hour and a half, Peter. Not uh, long. I'm so, probably, I don't know. I, 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 I'm no timekeeper. If, if you've made it through to this point in the video, people, uh, good job. Yes. We'll get better. We'll get better. We're still, we'll better. We'll we'll figure, better. We're still figuring it out. And with that, I'm David Frouchy. You're Peter. This is Peter, <laughs> uh, Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater. And we are Kinozoid. And remember, stay safe. Oh, 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 oh,